welcome to Life After Sunday. I'm Ed Petty along with Aaron Allen, and we are so excited that you have joined us today for episode eight. And today we are actually Aaron Squared. So first of all, I'm going to say hello, Aaron Allen. Hey, Ed. How are you doing? I'm doing good. And our special guest today is Aaron Holt. Hello, Aaron. Good morning. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Aaron is a member of our church. He is also a Dallas fireman. How many years have you been a fireman? This will be 10 years in October. 10 years. And do you have a, like an official title? Because firemen have ranks, right? Just like That's police. That's right. Yeah. Rank. I'm uh, one step above a private. So my rank is a driver engineer. Gotcha. Gotcha. And by the way, as we're recording this episode, just uh, you've just come off shift this morning. So you're kind of running on fumes, right? I am. I just got off of a 24 hour shift. Um, we we're pretty busy yesterday, but I got to sleep got most of the night. So that's uh, all I can ask for. And a shift by the, for our listeners that don't know, a shift means you work 24 hours and then you're off for 48, right? Correct. Yeah. Or a uh, typical uh, schedule in the fire service is 24 hours on, 48 hours off. There are some variations of that, but we stick to that uh, that typical standard. Those two days go very quickly. I bet they do. Um, mm-hmm. But one way to look at it is every day I go to work is Friday, so I get two days off afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Every 24 hours you have a weekend. I like exactly. that. Yeah. I like that. That's a that's a very uh, a good way to to look at it. And so if you well, air, sorry, I had, a, I had a, a question I was thinking about. There's no like on call schedule for you guys, right? When you're off, you're off, right? Right. There are procedures um, for like callbacks if something oh, okay. extreme happens. You know, then kind of everything everything goes, and they can call everybody and say get to work mm. you know come in. Um, yeah. but it doesn't happen very often but if like a 9-11 thing happened that would right. be a, a situation where hmm. if you're off duty you're not off duty anymore now, yeah. and well follow up to that question uh because similar situation in the military um if you if you got called in let's just say you got called in this evening your next shift you still have your next shift regardless right right yeah. Um, and again, that situation hasn't happened, but, but sometimes we'll have what's called like a mandatory. Mm-hmm. So if they do the staffing numbers and they can tell, well, tomorrow we're going to be short. Mm-hmm. Well, then they can call, which they did recently. Um, they'll call me at the station and say, don't go home in the morning. You're, uh, you're working tomorrow. So, so you work another full 24? Correct. Man. Yeah. Now I, I get it at, you know, an overtime rate, which oh, sweetens the deal, but that's true. That's still another 24 hours away from home. And, yeah. um, do you get another day off? No, no. no. That'll just, just get, one? get my one then and right then back, back on my regular schedule. Yeah. That definitely similar situations on, on the ship is that way too. Only mm-hmm. thing is we didn't get overtime. You just, you <laughs> yeah. got the same pay, right. but funny side story. Cause our listeners will actually appreciate this. Yeah. Um, the, I'll call it the stupidest time that we were told to stay. You got, you can't go home tonight. We were in port. So you're supposed to go home. Some of us, it was, uh, shortly after OJ Simpson thing and some idiot decided to put a ski mask on and run around the ship with a butcher knife. (laughs) Can't make that up. And no, you can't. And so security, and I was on security force as a MP. So we go to security alert because they think there's really an intruder on ship. And so we're searching, searching for like two or three hours. We're at security alert, like lockdown, trying to find what's going on. Finally, we find the knife, whatever. And then at this point, they realize it was a joke. So now we're trying to figure out who did it. Who did it? Right. And our captain was so mad. He didn't let anybody go home. Oh, like, wow. like he's like, fine until, until this were the words until somebody comes to my door and confesses, nobody will go home. Wow. 
So somebody finally did come forward the next morning, but yeah, it was a like guess what? And and literally, and that was before cell phones, so everybody kind of had to run to the office phone. Hey, honey, um, not going to be home. Not tonight. coming in. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like there was some big emergency, or you know, in the case of like if a storm comes in, the ships have to go out to sea because they don't they don't want to bang it against a dock. You know, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, that's really stupid. So did you know the guy? I did not. Okay. I didn't know. I knew of him. So wasn't a buddy of yours that was no, running no, around with a butcher knife? No, because we could have took care of that real quick. <laughs> I was going to say, did he get beat up? Uh, no, but he did He did get some discipline, oh, some okay. military discipline. Sure. Just You typically lose money or you don't get to go home for a while. Stuff oh, like man. that. So, yeah. So, Aaron is one of our church members right here at Sunnyvale First Baptist. And so, if you see Aaron on a Sunday, you see a well-dressed, good-looking guy with his family. He's typically got nice boots on. Which I recently found out he's actually a Southern California dude, so mm-hmm. uh, we definitely got you converted in that aspect. <laughs> um, but life after Sunday for Aaron, for you, is very, very different than a lot of people. You put the uniform on, um, you put your life on the line to serve and protect, and uh, so that's kind of what we want to talk about, Aaron, today. How has your faith helped you in your job? And uh, I think, I can't help but think of um, Psalm 23, 4, where David says, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. So let's begin kind of where it started, Aaron, for you, and tell us a little bit about your salvation story. Sure. So this will kind of be a long uh, answer, but um, my salvation story is... uh, uh, full disclosure, kind of a, a sensitive topic for me. So I grew up going to church, grew up in a Lutheran church. I wouldn't say I grew up in a Christian home, but um, my mom took us to church, uh, grew up, you know, like I said, in a Lutheran church, uh, loved it. It was great. Understood, you know, what Jesus did for us on the mm-hmm. cross, uh, what it meant uh, that he died for our sins. So I understood that, but there was never, I never remember really hearing quote unquote testimonies Mm-hmm. or um, salvation stories. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to just a few years ago, uh, being in a Baptist church mm-hmm. and hearing, oh, well, I was saved on June 6, 1992, and, mm-hmm. or uh, whatever, and, and just hearing that over and over and over, you know, I don't have that. Mm-hmm. And so that was really hard for me. Anyway, so let's back up again. Once I got uh, got through high school, went to college, um, really was not attending church. Um, but that whole time, I would have told you I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. I would have been able to, you know, to- tell you what I believe. But my life, you wouldn't have known I was a Christian by my life. Um, there was there was no evidence of my faith. It mm-hmm. was all lip service. So really, once we started coming to uh, church here, mm-hmm. and I sat under convicting preaching, mm-hmm. and I f- really started reading my Bible and listening to other preachers that are extremely biblically sound, um, it was really convicting. And, and like I said, I really struggled that I never had a date. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't put my finger on it. And so... You know, I talked to a lot of people, I read some books, and I really struggled with that. But um, the more I stayed in the Word, was praying, you know, I prayed the sinner's prayer a hundred times. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I was so jealous and envious of someone who could pinpoint their Mm-hmm. their salvation date. Mm-hmm. But again, now there's evidence of my faith in my life. Mm-hmm. I can notice a transformed difference of choosing, making choices to honor Christ mm-hmm. rather than honoring myself and my, my sinful mm-hmm. flesh. So so I can't tell you exactly when I was saved, Sure, but I am confident I am saved. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so again, I think it was really when I first started coming to church here, mm-hmm. when I 
when I really started to get some, my faith started to get in mm-hmm. some teeth, mm-hmm. I could give, you know, give a defense for what I believed in. Mm-hmm. And I had some really difficult conversations with a fireman in particular who stated that he grew up in the faith, mm-hmm. strong Christian, was in a Christian fraternity at college, and he's now an atheist. Mm, wow. And this was a few years ago. And so he started hitting me with questions, mm-hmm. you know, that ultimately tore down his faith. Mm-hmm. And when I realized I didn't have any of those answers, it started rocking my world. And I started to spiral. Mm -hmm. Um, But thank God I sought godly counsel Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to worldly counsel. And I was able to, a lot of those questions have answers. And um, so I was really able to build a foundation for my faith and understand how things fit together. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a difference between knowing Christ. I think we've heard so many people's stories that they grew up in church and they knew you saw the pictures, you saw the stories with the felt, you know, and all of that. And knowing Christ, is he part of your life? Has he changed your life? Yeah. It actually reminds me a lot of the, like the, like Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts, whenever like the, he's reading from the scripture from Isaiah, I believe, and he's and he asks Philip to ask, "Hey, what does this all all this mean?" So Philip tells him, and then he's like, "Well," and Philip's like, "Well, you got to believe this stuff mm-hmm. in order to." And the eunuch's like, "I do." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Oh, well, then you just have to be baptized. So let's go <laughs> right. do that. So let's just find this puddle of water right here, and then let's baptize you." And right. so uh, I I understand on on your end. Um, the well, everyone else has this date, and they have this. But like, mm-hmm. some people can give you a time, right? And like, a, and I, I can't. Yeah. I, in my story, I, I, I said it was sometime in August when yeah. I was nineteen. I only know that because of the things that transpired on my birthday that year. Yeah. And my birthday's in the middle of July. Right. And so I know it was sometime after that, but it wasn't in July and it wasn't in September. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew it was sometime in August ish of that year, and so so well, I, I understand. It's not like a, a thing that I remember. In, and like I marked the day when it right. happened. I just went, oh, I've given my life. I'm changed. Right. I'm not going back to that. And that's all that I know. Right. And then obviously with us in our finite human minds, that day, that hour we think may have been mm-hmm. the actual moment of our conversion. Mm-hmm. Maybe that wasn't. God will tell us, you know, right. you, know you were saved, you know, five yeah. years before that. Right. But that's when you started to feel it, well, you know. So, um, yeah, again, I, it's, it's the evidence of a transformed life mm-hmm. and a life lived for Christ. I'm, I'm the same way. I don't subscribe to one. I'm not one of these people like you. Oh, oh you have to know the exact time or date. For me, I know... I can narrow it down to the month yeah, and, and the year only because the boys, college pregnancy with the boys is tied into my salvation story. And so I, I know that it was right before they were born and all that. But, and I can even, I can still, I can even picture the, the, the place and the time, but to say, oh, it was sure. on this particular date. I, I don't remember. Yeah. It's just, has God changed your heart? Right. Is there evidence, as you said, right. of your salvation? And if there's no evidence, if there's no fruit, if there's, right. as, as the title of the podcast is life after Sunday, if, if uh, life after Sunday, you're going back to being just like any other sinner, mm-hmm. yeah. then there's no change in your heart. Maybe, yeah, maybe you truly weren't saved. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, exactly. I, I don't think we're going to die and then we're going to be asked a grilling amount of questions about, do you remember the day yeah. and the yeah. hour yeah. and what season <laughs> Saint, it was? And- St. Peter's going to be at the gate. Okay, um, to get <laughs> well, in, Ed, yeah. uh, what was your salvation date? Uh, no, wrong answer. <laughs> He's like, well, how can <laughs> you be sure? And, and I'm pulls like, the trigger I didn't know that was fall. criteria. <laughs> 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 the Bible never said that it wasn't criteria to know. <laughs> So, Aaron, how did you and your family get to Sunnyvale First Baptist Church? So once I met uh, my wife, Emily, 
pause, which is also a very interesting story. Whenever right. we first got here in 2018, we met you guys the first Sunday that Adam introduced us because he's the one that hired me. And, you know, we started talking and then I found out where he was from, which is Southern California. That's where Emily is from. My wife, Emily, is from. Yeah. And then your wife, Emily, is from Texas, right. which is where I'm from. And so, and then she is an Angels fan, I believe. No, you are. I you am, are an Angels yeah. fan. That's yeah. what it is. Because Emily is an Angels fan and my wife. <laughs> and then I'm a Rangers fan and yeah. I believe that your Emily is a, I mean, Texas, Rangers, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So it's just a, we have similar, but like opposite <laughs> family lives. It's just strange. We're both relatively close in age, both right. have young children. Yeah. And so if you're talking about Aaron and Emily, you need to specify who you're talking <laughs> about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You both have four kids too. <laughs> yeah. I do. That's true. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Continue. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, so when I met Emily, she was going to church here and I was going to church uh, in Dallas, um, which I really liked. Uh, it was a good church. And so we, uh, during our dating period, we would kind of just switch off. And one weekend we'd go to my church, one weekend we'd come here. And that went on for a while. And I don't remember exactly when we made the decision, but I do know um, sitting under the preaching that was here um you know, we came when, when Adam was here. That was really the first time I experienced that kind of expository preaching. Hmm. And I mean, we were in the word, dissecting it and um, really convicting. And that's when, you know, I noticed change in my life mm-hmm. and making decisions based on what the word of God said, based on what is sinful and, and not sinful, what would be righteous for God. So really after that, I mean, there was, there was no question. I mean, we were coming here on uh, wow. the church yeah. that, that that I was at, I was not being fed, you know, like, like I have been since being at this church. So for all of you that don't know what other churches are like, this is a good church we're at. Absolutely. Absolutely. You definitely need to make sure that you're being fed by the word. Yeah. And a point of encouragement, I think it's, it's for, if there's any pastors or preachers that are listening to this, that, I mean, if you, if you think sometimes on Sunday mornings that no one is listening to what you're saying, just let Aaron's life and and the life of his family be a testament that the people are, and and the spirit is working and moving all the time. Uh, Your job is just to preach and to teach the Bible and let God do the rest. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. When did you know that you wanted to be a fireman? So a lot of firemen knew when they were kids, like, I want to grow up be a fireman. I was say, that's kind of, that's kind of one yeah. of the biggies. I actually use it <laughs> yeah. in my story when I wanted to be a DJ because, you know, most people, firemen, policemen, right. my parents thought they were failures. <laughs> so that, uh, that that's wasn't funny. necessarily my case. I wanted to go in the military and I wanted to fly, but then I was chasing football and that didn't happen. I ended up, uh, football was, you know, was my life. When I was in college, um, during the summer between my junior and senior year, I interned uh, with the strength program at the University of Texas. And so, and my degree was in uh, basically the equivalent of a kinesiology degree. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about going the strength conditioning route. Well, that didn't necessarily, it was going to be a lot of interning Mm -hmm. um, rather than, you know, making a paycheck until you finally made it a you know, big school or squad like that. So I ended up getting a job in Austin um, as an IT recruiter, mm-hmm. which if you asked me what that was, I would have had no idea, but <laughs> met a guy who knew a guy and it was a job and I needed one coming out of college. So um, I said, sign me up. Uh, so I did that for about a year, again, living in Austin. So I was doing that for about a year working in Austin. I was living for the weekend. You know, I was mm-hmm. just the grind Monday through Friday 
in a cubicle on the phone all day long. I was not enjoying that. Mm, yeah, that sounds miserable <laughs> just listening to it. So, <laughs> so, you know, I started to brainstorm and, uh, you know, kind of at this point, going to fly in the military was behind me. So I was like, okay, well, what is going to give me a work-life balance that I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. What's going to be fulfilling? What is going to be maybe semi-relevant to the athletic background mm-hmm. I have? And uh, I knew I didn't want to be a cop. And uh, so those the job of fireman just just lined up. Kind of jumped and, out at you. Yeah. And so I just went all in for it. Um, I applied uh, for Austin Fire and Dallas Fire and got Dallas and moved here. And uh, the end of 2012 mm-hmm. and been here ever since. What wow. college did you go to? Uh, my first two years, I was in Northern California at San Jose State. Uh-huh. And then my second two years, I was at a small NAIA school in Billings, Montana. So again, I, uh, I was chasing football. Um, I walked on to San Jose State and then... What'd you play? Uh, well, I played I played quarterback all growing up okay. and in high school. And then I tried out as a quarterback and made it, but they quickly moved me to receiver. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I was with I was with the team for basically the off season. Uh-huh. Uh, I got to experience the D one thing, and then huh. didn't get invited to camp in uh-huh. uh, in August. So at that point, um, I was kind of scrambling, sending my film all over the country. I didn't care mm-hmm. where. I just wanted to keep playing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your body allows you such a small window to right. to compete at a high level. Yeah. So again, I didn't I didn't care. I just wanted to I just, just wanted to do play. it. And yeah, um, so, I mean, I remember I was sitting in my dorm between classes at San Jose State. I was online looking up schools at sometimes I didn't even know where I was calling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was calling the head coaches. You just go anywhere. And I remember um, one coach answered the phone. I was talking to him and he said, so what makes you want to come and play in Rhode Island? And that was the first time I realized I was calling someone in Rhode Island. <laughs> so I was like, well, you know, I just <laughs> heard it's really nice there. <laughs> so Winners are great. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> anyway, so I ended up going to uh, going to school in Billings, Montana, and that was quite a change from Southern California. Yeah, you went from California to flyover. Like, what? Yeah, and, and cold. <laughs> I remember walking to class yeah. at negative 20 degrees. No, thank you. I'm not doing that. Yeah, it was cold. Mm-mm. I remember when I was stationed in Illinois, it was like, and coming from Texas, it's like, wow. And I was reminded that a few, a couple of weeks ago when I was in Milwaukee. I'm like, and, and this is like end of April, May, and it was still 30 degrees snowing. Nope. Up there just last week. My and wife like, would love that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. no <laughs> There's a difference no. in visiting in it and living in it. Right. That's right. Is It's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. No, 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 no. So what is the work environment like as a first responder? And as a Christian, how do you respond to a lot of that? So I would say the broad first responder scene, and I can only speak to, to firemen, but Sure. I'm sure a lot of cops are like us. I would say it's uh, probably described as a locker room environment, um, very heavy male-dominated work environment, a lot of former athletes. A lot of testosterone. A lot of testosterone <laughs> running around. So what happens at the fire station probably wouldn't uh, fly through most HR departments. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a lot like the military. <laughs> but uh, you got a lot of personalities, and you have a lot of guys who um, – want to play the alpha male and so that uh that can create a lot of conflict sometimes I bet. but uh but it's fun it's a very unique environment so as a christian in that my personality my demeanor has changed over time like i said um you know initially when i got on i was a professing christian but you wouldn't have known it by my actions or my lifestyle mm-hmm. quite honestly i was just fitting right in mm-hmm 
And once I started to, again, foster my faith and make decisions to honor Christ instead of just giving into sinful thoughts or speech or behavior, that's when things really had to change for me. You know, that's, you look differently in an environment that doesn't necessarily foster uh, a Christian walk. Mm-hmm. So the way that looks is, and I'm not trying to say, you know, firemen are bad guys or mm-hmm. everybody's running no, around doing no, wicked stuff. No, yeah. Um, but you should be able to tell someone, you should be able to tell the saved from the unsaved right. by the way their lives are being lived. And I remember uh, years ago, I had someone uh, at work, basically, I forget the conversation we were having, but at the end of it, he said, he questioned like, oh, you're a Christian? Mm-hmm. Basically, I would have never guessed that, right. you know? And so that was really convicting for oh, me. Yeah, right. Right. And um, so again, this whole life transformation happened, and um, so that is lived out in in my behavior, in my speech. You know, if guys are cutting up and joking around, and mm-hmm. you know those jokes I may have participated in in the past, mm-hmm. well, I stop myself. Well, that speech doesn't honor Christ, so right. I'm not going to participate in that joke mm-hmm. or or whatever that activity is. So it's um, it can be a challenge living as a Christian in uh, a worldly environment, but uh, that's what we're called to do. Yeah. And are we to serve God or man? And it's always God. So as you've changed the way that you've interacted with the people that you, the guys that you work with, have have you seen any like different ways that you've been treated by them? Or do you feel like um, maybe, well, that's Aaron. He's the Christian now and he's going to do his own thing and we'll just be the guys over here doing this. Have you noticed any of that? Or do you still feel included? And are you trying to like actively minister to them and those kinds of things? That question and then follow up to that. Is it also giving you opportunities that people open up to be able to minister yeah, to them right, as well? Yeah. Thankfully, I haven't felt excited extreme, you know, quote, persecution, like, sure. well, Aaron, you're the Christian, go stay over there. Right. We're going to do our thing over here. But they know I'm a Christian. And so they kind of can expect maybe a response from me mm-hmm. um, or lack thereof a response. But that does and has offered me opportunities to witness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I work with a good a good group of guys. You know, one of the, one of the things I do, uh, meals are a big part of the fire station. So we eat three meals a day together. So I pray before every meal, which I do outside of work as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's just in that environment, that's just one more thing that, oh, well, that's different than... Mm-hmm. what they see other people doing. And that could maybe spark a conversation of why yeah. do you do that? And it has. People know that, all right, well, when they're having a conversation with me, this happened yesterday. He's like, go ahead. I know you're going to pray. So I went, said my prayer, and then I hmm. got up and finished my yeah. conversation with do him. Do they ever ask you to, like, hey, would you bless the meal for us? And they ask you to do it out loud? No. It's always just you do it, and then you... you yeah, know. I just, I pray. Right. And then, uh, so I think I've witnessed to every guy on my crew currently. Um, oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, we only have a we have an engine and an ambulance there, so it's six guys okay. staff at uh, are staffed at the station. So it's not a big group, but um, I would say one, maybe two, were saved mm-hmm. um, okay. in that. So some hostility has been encountered when we've had those conversations, mm-hmm. especially by strong atheist agnostic. I don't know how he identifies with that, but and then others are okay. Well, that's good for you, right. not really for me, kind of thing, right? And then what I run into so much is the, you just got to be a good person, you know? So, and the more I grow in my faith and read the scripture, it just opens your eyes so much to the few number 
that possibly are truly saved, mm. you know, and that don't truly understand the gospel. Right. So I'll, I was having a conversation with a buddy yesterday who said he grew up Buddhist and now he goes, um, now he goes to a Christian church. Mm-hmm. So I kind of took that, I don't know anything really about Buddhism. So I took that as an opportunity to say, okay, well, tell me about that. Mm-hmm. How would you, how as a Buddhist, do you get to heaven? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he kind of tried to explain that. And his whole time he was, he was making a relation to, oh, well, you know, it's kind of just like Christian. Christianity, you know, yeah, you know, just the Ten Commandments and Mm -hmm. said, okay. And uh, so then I switched over to the Christian faith. I said, okay, so as a Christian, how do I get to heaven? And same thing fell back to the, well, basically the goods got outweigh the bad, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I took that opportunity to tell him, I said, well, look, I'm I'm a Christian. I believe what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. This is what it says. And so I laid out the gospel to him and said, every other religion, including false Christianity, is based on human achievement. And true Christianity is faith in Christ and repentance of your sins. So if we ever try to earn our salvation, any good works I ever do, I'll never make it. Right. So I just tried to lay that out for him that it's it's not about, you know, you being in the plus category of your good outweighing your bad. So, and I just, you know, opened that up to it, left him with, come to me with any of these questions mm-hmm. you have, because I've, I've been there and struggled with right. those yeah. questions, and, and I'll help you out with it. But yeah, there's, there's definitely opportunities to witness, and I try to take advantage of those opportunities. And a lot of times, you know, the hardest part is just starting that conversation, and yeah, so... Breaking the ice. Yeah, and so a lot of times it'll just start with... Uh, you know, if I hear them mention something that they did on their day off, you know, we always ask each other, what'd you do on your days off? And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. so I'll say, well, you know, it was Wednesday, I went to church mm-hmm. or Sunday, I went to church and then I can follow up with, do you go to church anywhere? Right. Mm-hmm. And so that can just kind of lead right into it and I can get, can get a pretty good sense of where someone stands based on, you know, mm-hmm. those initial questions yeah, and, right. and just pray that God would bless that conversation and, and speak through me as I'm trying to, to faithfully witness to, to the lost. Uh, have you have you heard of the the God on the mountaintop illustration about other religions? Potentially, that it's all the same God. It's all leading to the same God. There's many ways to get to the top of the mountain. Is that yeah, it? exactly? Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. many ways to the top of the mountain. Sure. But then anybody, but Christians have spun it and said, well, every religion is people getting to right. God at right. the top, where Christianity is God coming down off the mountain and bringing us to the top. Kind right. Of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what he was alluding to, mm-hmm. uh, my buddy that I was speaking with yesterday. Well, it's, it's all God, you know, and, you right. know, we just gotta, which is we a, just gotta be good. Which you know? is actually a very Buddhist thing to say. Yeah. It, and it's, I, it's, it, it's very, um, yeah, I'm not going to get well, into that he right mentioned, now, but what he, what he's, what he means by that is in Buddhism, it's literally everything is God. Okay. Sure. Um, and so it's complicated in that right. way, but that's kind of what he means. And so he's just kind of playing off of that and probably trying to get out of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so, and he made uh, the reference to Jesus is mentioned in Buddhism, which I didn't know that. And I said, okay. Um, I said, well, you know, Jesus, Jesus is uh, mentioned in the Mormon faith, mm-hmm. mentioned in Jehovah's Witnesses, mentioned mm-hmm. in uh, Islamic faith. Mm-hmm. I said, but I would argue that those are all false representations of the Jesus in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I said, we have to believe the the right Jesus, the correct one. Right. So. It may sound like, it may have the same name, but um, you have to look at the description and find out if it's the Jesus of the Bible or a manufactured Jesus. Right. Amen.
For those of our listeners who also maybe exist or they work in a, a pretty intensive work environment, what advice would you give to them to start being a good gospel witness to their peers and their coworkers? So the first thing uh, I would recommend starting with is just um, the noticeable things, such mm. as your behavior, your speech. Mm. Um, as I said earlier, there should be there should be something that separates followers of Christ and those who aren't followers of Christ. Right. And if you're blending in with the world around you, you're probably being influenced by the world and not influencing the world. Mm-hmm. Um, as our Sunday school teacher so eloquently laid out. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so I would just say start with what they can see. Let them see a separation between you and the world. And that'll that'll open up opportunities to talk about why you're making those decisions, why you aren't watching what this guy's watching, why you aren't talking about what this guy's talking about. Mm -hmm. And again, it just gives you opportunity to, you know, lay out, well, I'm making this decision because this honors God or this honors my wife and this kind of behavior wouldn't mm-hmm. do that. So I would say that would just be a good a good starting point. And then again, just try to just try to start that conversation and you'll quickly realize how many people don't truly understand the gospel and that'll be an opportunity to proclaim the truth to them. So hopefully they will be saved. Oh I'm, yeah. I'm reminded of a uh, an old hymn let others see Jesus in you. And that's mm. been my prayer a lot. It's just like sometimes just your actions can, as you've shared, people just start talking to you. Oh, yeah. Especially today, they people today don't want to hear anything else. They want to see it in action. Right. Um, from, especially, I mean, students and where where I <laughs> where, where I exist right now in ministry and college and young adults. I mean, we they want to learn. They want to hear the Bible taught and those kinds of things. But um, if they don't see... Even for me, like what I'm teaching put into practice, then for them, it's like, okay, then is this even real? Is it, does it matter? Um, and I, I, I think you're right that the first thing has to happen is you have to change the things that you say and the things that you do, because <laughs> if the way they've known you before right. is you fit into all of the ways that right. they were living, and then you come in one day and then you don't anymore, those are going to be the first things that they notice have changed. Right. And then they're going to ask you about that. Right. And then that's automatically going to open the door to have the conversation conversation of, well, I gave my life to Jesus and this is what it looks like right. now. That's exactly and you can right. come be a part of it because it's great. Yeah. And it's the best thing for you now and for your future of hope and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've been, I've invited all my, all my, uh, station to, uh, to church with us. I've had one guy take me up on it, but, uh, we're just in his defense. We were just coming off shift. Uh, he had a good nap. <laughs> <laughs> so I still give him a hard time about that. <laughs> I've always, uh, admired you. I mean, I don't know what Sundays you're coming off shift and whatnot, yeah. which ones you aren't, but yeah. I always just kind of look at it like, well, he's awake. But again, yeah, yeah. Been, having been in the military, I can, I can relate to that. You know, believe me, I have been in, uh, the quote prayer position <laughs> sitting in in uh in the pew after a long night of work but uh but i hate missing church and yeah. I, I don't like yeah. working on sundays yeah. but we have to work uh you know it yeah. comes out to every third sunday i'm on shift but um so even when i work work a saturday and we're up all night you know i i try everything i can to get here because i just i don't like missing yeah yeah absolutely are you able to go home and like help get everybody else ready and then come in or for the most part okay. yes but uh I have an amazing wife, and she Amen. usually handles I, handles all that. And I she, understand that. She knows that. Now your um, wife is a nurse, right? She is, all yeah. Um, so technically, a lot of the same. Where, where does she work? Well, she she was a nurse uh, at one of the major hospitals here in Dallas at Parkland. Mm-hmm. Then she was mm-hmm. doing home health care. Okay. Then she was doing uh, uh, school nursing. Uh-huh. And 
currently she's staying home and just doing part-time school nursing uh-huh. for those that don't know we have two small children so we would rather emily Harper be raising our children yep. than uh than someone else so thankfully we've been able to make that work but um yeah we can relate on a lot of things um especially you know with the medical side of what i deal with and what she's dealt with so she understands you know how did you guys meet? Did you meet when she was at Parkland? No. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm picturing this what? like although a lot of firemen story yeah. here. Oh, yeah. Grey's Anatomy, like <laughs> yeah. EMT comes in and he's like, he oh. comes rolling in with a gurney <laughs> and she's taking the patient. Yeah, a lot of firemen do have that story. They met their wives, you know, at you On know the job. Yeah, at, no way, uh, really? at the hospital. Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of firemen are married to nurses or teachers for whatever reason. Huh. But um, no, we met through a um, a former fireman buddy of mine and his girlfriend at the time they introduced us um and now we're married there you, there you go. go is there one particular time a specific story that you can remember that you could tell that you could actually tell us or where you really turned to your faith while you were working maybe a call that you were on where you're just in a really dangerous situation or a bad bad just bad bad situation overall i know you were sharing with us a call that you had yesterday that was pretty intense um is there just a particular thing that just jumps out to you where you just like god help me type moment so as far as one particular call that i was crying out to God. I don't know that I necessarily have that. What I do have is I pray every morning on my drive in, Mm -hmm. pray over the shift I'm about to have. Mm -hmm. But we see a lot of bad stuff. see a lot of bad stuff almost Um, probably every call. You know, not every call. There's, but... Have you got any cats out of trees? (sighs) Yes. (laughs) I was not not expecting that answer. I was just going to, I was just going stereotypical. (laughs) If you knew what people called 911 for... (laughs) We'd be here all day. <laughs> we but, might have to have him back on just to hear. I want you to read a list yeah, of like nine one one top calls. ten craziest nine one one stories. Don't think we just run around fighting fire all day. That'd be <laughs> that'd be too good a gig. But anyway, so we we see a lot of bad stuff, shootings, murders, yeah. stabbings, car accidents, whatever you name it. We go on that call. So I've caught myself in situations where I'll be in particular in the back of the ambulance with a patient mm-hmm. and I will be praying and to myself, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'll be praying for that patient that I'm with, Yeah, you know, cause again, we just see people at, at their lowest. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, some people are in some, some grave situations. So sometimes I'll catch a tattoo on somebody or across around their neck mm-hmm. and I'll use that as a, Hey, so you got a verse in your arm, you know, mm-hmm. what is that verse? Or are you a Christian? And so that oh, wow. maybe 10 minutes I have in the back of the ambulance with them, mm-hmm. I can try to share Christ with them. Yeah. So I just, I try to, I try to use that opportunities when I can. So you probably just, uh, I, I, and I know that sometimes when I pass a horrific car wreck or whatever, mm-hmm. I find myself just saying a quick prayer. So I can't imagine that you wouldn't do the same, you know, when you see yeah, situations. Well, well, thank you. That's, that's good to know that, you know, people are praying, praying like that. Um, I'd like to say I do that more than, more than I actually do, but. Well, you're a little busy. The amount of, the amount <laughs> yeah, of right, yeah. runs we're going on it, uh, you know, yeah. I, we just kind of become numb to, uh, to a lot of the calls we go on, yeah. unfortunately, but mm. you know, we work about on average 10 shifts a month, very conservative number is maybe 10 calls a shift. Mm-hmm. So wow. if you span that over 12 months, I mean, you and then I'm coming stuff. on my 10th year, stuff. that's thousands of calls. Mm. Um, it can beat you down. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, once again, Aaron, we thank you for coming on. Any final comments or 
I'm grateful y'all thought of me to have on this uh, episode. It's been fun. It's my first podcast experience. Really? Um, well, it's, just, it's just guys talking on a yeah, microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Podcasts are big now. They are. They are. It's a, it's a thing now. I heard somebody describe a podcast uh, the other day is it's a radio show without a radio. Oh, there you go. So it's true. That's a whole lot cheaper too. <laughs> I'm grateful for this church. Uh, I'm praying for this church and thankful for, for the members that make up this church. We're in a, we're in a great place and just be in prayer that God would bless, would bless us here. Amen. We are thankful for you. We thank you for your service uh, to our church, to our, your to the community, to uh, everything that you do. Thank you for your uh, dedication to our city. It's encouraging to hear that um, one of our own people and wherever you go and whatever you're doing, whether on call or with someone in an ambulance or at the station, you are witnessing, you are having gospel conversations. And um, I, I hope that it does two things for our listeners. One, encourages um, our people, no matter where they are, or what job they have, or what's going on they can be encouraged by your story that uh, to be constantly sharing the gospel with people around them um, and then two you just continue to be a witness wherever they are and whatever work whatever kind of work environment they exist in um, I, I hope and pray that uh, your story is an encouragement to them to continue to do that and keep up the good work man you're doing you're doing awesome well thank um, you and I would, I would just encourage uh, any of our church members that, that hear this and if they can relate to my story or they have questions or they've been through a, a similar situation if you need if you need help or just want to talk about it come find me and and we'll talk about it yeah he may or may not be awake but go talk to him (laughs) yeah right (laughs) all right well once again thanks for coming and uh go get some sleep thank you both been fun if what you have heard today has been helpful and encouraging to you then please leave a review with five stars if you'd also like to request future topics for discussion then please email us at sfbc life after sunday at gmail.com and now a word from Dr. Darren Biles, pastor of Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast, Life After Sunday, a podcast ministry from Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. We are delighted that you have joined us today. I want to make a special invitation to you to come be our guest this coming Sunday or any Sunday at Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. Our address is 3018 North Beltline. We would be delighted for you, for your family to come worship with us. Our Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9 o'clock. Our worship service starts at 1030. We have Sunday school for all ages. We would love to meet you, have you a part of our church family. We'll look forward to seeing you. It is my honor to serve as the pastor, and I'll look forward to seeing you at Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. Life After Sunday is a podcast brought to you by Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. I'm Ed Petty along with Aaron Allen. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and join us again next week on Life After Sunday.